Hello, hello, this is Sherry from the Sherry K. Hoff Show, where we focus on living joyfully in your life and business. You can reach us at SherryKHoff.com. That's S-H-E-R-I-K-A-Y-E-H-O-F-F.com. Let me tell you about my exciting guest here today, and she is a fantastic guest as well as a good friend. Eva Venari is the founder and CEO of the Elevate Institute, a cutting-edge health practitioner firm specializing in empowering driven professionals to take charge of their body and their health. She is the creator of Reveal Optimal Health Intensive. It is a holistic process that lets you understand exactly what your body needs to heal and rejuvenate so you can continue bringing your talent to the world while feeling great in your body. Through science and common sense habit changes, one can create shifts for a higher quality of life that far outlasts the time invested. I'm so glad you're here today. How are you? I'm good, Sherry. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this, um, I was just thinking when you said the common sense habits in your Mm -hmm. bio, that that's what I love about you, that you have all this science, but you break it down into such easy to follow, like, Hey, I get that kind of step. So I'm so excited about what we're going to be talking about here today. And we're going to be talking first about boundaries. So how do boundaries tie into chronic illness? (laughs) I find the excuses, um, almost comical now. So when I hear somebody say, Oh, I can't do that right now, Eva, I, I have to make sure that I'm you know, involved in the PTA or that, you know, there's some sort of sacrifice, you know, that we have been taught, doesn't matter men or women, women are known for doing it more, but the more that we put ourselves on the back burner for the benefit of others to the point of not paying attention to our own needs, uh, can't say no to other people, the mother-in-law, the husband, the (laughs) the wife, whoever is in your very close sphere of obligation. If we can't learn to manage our time uh, and learn to say no, we neglect ourselves and it's almost automatic. And the social pressures and cultural pressures that we've grown up with are toxic. So getting to that point of saying, ah, I'm willing to look in the mirror and change these behaviors and being willing to be brave enough to look at those loved ones in the face and say, I'm sorry, you are going to complain. I understand that, but my, my health is important. I love you, but I love me more. That's to start coming out of the mouth. And so when, when that happens, then the boundaries around taking care of yourself become obvious. So that's, that's really how it's related. Yeah. I love that because, you know, I guess I never really thought much about excuses as boundaries, as a boundary issue. And I think about my own life. My youngest is going to be turning 22. But as a mom of smaller kids, you know, I often put myself last and, you know, everything, everything was always for them first. And I know lots of moms, lots of parents could relate to that. Um, But then, you know, I did have that moment of, you know, what happened to the person who used to dream big, you know, um, and now all my dreams are tied into, you know, other people's outcomes. And, you know, it's so I had to, I had to have that moment of recognition. And so 
how how would you say that people can get to that moment of recognition? Because really, when you have you have to have that moment of recognition before you make the change, because otherwise you're just kind of in this cycle. Yeah, and you're going to find yourself in a cycle that feels a lot like, oh wow, this day is a mess. And you know, you've seen those um, those old cartoons or even the the commercials where you know the wife's in the kitchen she's got flour all over her face and she's running around after <laughs> the kids that's the 50s mode right but we can, I think we can all relate to having a, a haggard day uh something where we're feeling pulled in all directions when we have headaches when we feel like we're not getting enough sleep and two weeks of sleep isn't going to be enough to recover from this kind of tired when you start feeling like that there's a desperation that starts in the pit of your stomach and you just think I have to find something. And that's usually the turning point. I have yet to find people Ah, okay. I'm going to correct that. Most people <laughs> don't make change. And so there's a terrible pain that's in front of them because we will continue to do the things that even are not good for us, as long as they're paying us in some sort of positive emotion. Uh, right. So it, it's, it's always going to be the I'm getting a payoff of some kind where this feels really good to do until suddenly it does not feel really good to do. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. usually the turning point. Yeah. I love that this comes first because in the health journey, so many people start with everything you're supposed to be doing for your health. But again, it's getting to that point first of recognizing that moment that you then are committed. So, um, so thank you so much for putting that first and helping people kind of recognize that in themselves. Um, so what is, you talk about the essential love of self. What is that? (laughs) It is one of the underlying themes I have found not only with myself, but as a reflection in many of my, my clients and friends that there's this self-sacrifice and there's almost a sabotage of, right? Giving up what we want, our dreams, our, our, our standards of what we're willing to accept in our life as a replacement for our dreams, right? All of those that we're settling for things we don't want to. And so I call it your PVTs. This is getting to know who you are, really looking in the mirror and saying, and it takes a minute, what are my preferences? Those are not non-negotiables. Those are just preferences. What do I preference in my life? How do I like from, how do I like my eggs to how do I like my my partner to, to respond to me, like every, every learning, learning what we like, then it's the values. What are the non-negotiables? What am I willing to uh, budge on? These would be nothing. Like you don't budge on your values. These are things that go with you. If you know these things then you're not sitting around trying to please others, right? You just go, mm, no, this is a value of mine. I'm not going to budge on this. I really appreciate your input. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, and then you have your trajectory. Where are you going in life? You know, you've got to find people on your path that have that same trajectory that have the same values you have and, and preferences. And you find that you have camaraderie there. And so that leads you to this place of, well, who do you listen to? And that really is your first key. It's people who've been where you are, have what you want, and have gotten there how you would like to get there based on your own values. So knowing these principles, let's call them, they really help guide a person into this discovery and putting the primary focus of their healthcare on their own shoulders, as opposed to giving their power away to what would be- Hey, rent starts in 15 minutes. Sorry. Okay. Okay. I'll just edit that part out. Let me write this down the time. Uh, okay. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, so that would totally be me because I put everything in my calendar with reminders. <laughs> so. You can leave it if you want to, it just shows oh. you how responsible and how like, organized I have. To be. That's fine. You know, I, I just might, you know, <laughs> I think everyone can relate. Right. <laughs> I, I have, I have all kinds of of uh, assistance to keep me organized. And I live by my calendar. If it's not in my calendar, I'm not doing it. And my to-do list is not what I'm doing. It's just what I'm going to schedule to do. So it's like, I've, I've picked up all of these, these ways of being um, proactive in, in, in my, in my world that help keep my boundaries set straight. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. And how real is that? And, <laughs> and so, um, so, okay. We were talking about the um, essential love of self. And so let's, you know, recap that those PVTs. I love, <laughs> I love that. So people can really take that in and bring it home. Yeah. Learn, learn what your preferences are, what you, what you like, and that's going to grow. It's going to change as you change, uh, as you get exposed to life, as you, as you get inspired to take an action and have an experience. And then you go, Oh, I didn't like that so much. Or just the opposite. Oh, I really like that. Like me, I went ax throwing. My girls took me ax throwing for mother's day before COVID. And I went, Oh, this is fun. I like this. I want to do more of this. So it's like you add that to your hobbies list. What makes you happy? What brings a smile to your face? What brings you some creativity? What changes up the everyday doldrums for you? Learn what those are. Your values are things that don't change. Um, usually that comes along with some sort of religious background. For me, I'm a fully recovered Catholic. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not religious, but I am very spiritual. And it's not just a it's very grounded in its woo, um, meaning that there is a lot of structure behind it. It's just not known. A lot of people are unfamiliar with it, but they do understand dogma of certain religions. And so anyways, wherever your values come from, stick to them and don't try to please others and caving in. And then your trajectory is where do you want to go in life? What are your dreams? What are your desires? Mm -hmm. So what is the progression that you talk about of mastering what you struggle with. And this is everyone's going to be leaning in because this is the <laughs> secret sauce that we all want to know. Or if we know some stuff, we want to get better at it. Well, I think it's a human nature um, concept. We think, well, we've reached a certain level of understanding. We must have reached our pinnacle. We must have arrived. We are here. And um they say that the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And that's kind of this progression. It is the same thing. You get to a place and you, you think, wow, this is a really great understanding I now have about myself or about another person or about how I've been toxic my whole life in my relationships and didn't realize it. Now I can apply these new principles and move forward in a different way. And then, well, time moves in a spiral, according to science. We're going to come back around to that same sticking point but it's going to be a little higher level. <laughs> it's going to require you to take on something a little more difficult this time. And we just keep repeating those same life lessons over and over again until finally we learn to love them. And that to me is when you know you've reached a mastery is when the thing that you used to hate, like I used to hate politics in corporate America, now, because I can have difficult conversations and keep my values and not give up and sacrifice myself or my, my own personal value, 
and what I bring to the table, I enjoy it, you know, without putting down another person and like we got doing it in a healthy way. And so it's, it really is about looking at the difference between, Oh, I, I really hate having to start all over again in a relationship. It's such a burden to get to know a new person all the time. I mean, I've, I've been single since I, 1998. I'll just put it out there. I've been single that long and I've been in and out of relationships over those years and found that both myself and my partner were a reflection of each other in our own toxic behaviors. And so we could have both sacrificed ourselves and decided, well, we know this, we know each other. So we're just going to stay here in this miserableness together, which I think a lot of people do. <laughs> Or we can decide, all right, we've done what we can together. Let's part ways and and move on and see what we can do to heal ourselves and find something else. And it's taken me years to develop a sense of confidence in, in dating and meeting. You know, I I'm, I'm very straight. I'm straight as, you know, Chinese hair is what I say. And uh, (laughs) I I don't mean any, any other direction. I like men. And so in, in dating men, I'm learning a lot about myself. And then realizing I need to do a different job. I need to come to like this whole process of weeding out. I'm just kind of letting that sit with people because, um, first of all, Eva is gorgeous. Then you heard she's single. So, <laughs> so I know everybody, all the single men are going to be, <laughs> you got to be smart though, because she is one smart cookie. <laughs> but, but how, you know, like the willingness to look at something that you struggle with as, you know, uh, to me, it's like dropping the resistance and being in acceptance and then moving to making it fun. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about one of the, you talked about politics in corporate and I think no one really likes that too much. But I, for my own self, one of my biggest struggles is and still is a little bit is conflict um, because it comes from, you know, my people pleasing way of growing up. And so, um, and I'm not blaming my parents for that. I think I, I saw a quote the other day that said, people pleasing is the result of an unmet need. So when I find myself doing the people pleasing I say to myself, oh, what unmet need am I not addressing here? And it really helps me a lot. But so I'm a natural conflict aversion kind of person, you know, like um, I say to people, I don't like mean people. I make a joke out of it. You know, I just, I don't like, I don't like watching TV shows or movies where the people are mean either. Um, I mean, I can have a superhero and a villain, but I can't watch the ones where nobody's a good guy. Like I, I gotta have a good guy to root for, but, um, but what I've learned is to embrace the conflict and to not look at it like it's this thing that has to mean anything about me or the other person. And that conflict, some conflict moves you forward. You know, like just this morning, you know, my husband's been under a lot of stress and he hasn't been too much fun to be around. And I said to him, I told him that I said, you haven't been very much fun. And, you know, where are your cheering section. We're the ones that are behind you. And he didn't really respond and he left and um, for work. And I felt kind of 
um, bad, you know, like, gosh, she didn't even say, I'm sorry, I love you. But then I was able to sort of detach from that and say, well, okay, he's just in a different place right now. And so I wasn't all emotional and um, upset about it. And then he called me 10 minutes later and he said, I know, I'm sorry, I've been really cranky lately. I'm really overwhelmed. And we talked through some topics of some ways to have him move through overwhelm. And that's kind of, I find like a lot of people's strategies for overwhelm are um, that they don't recognize it until, until there's some kind of like behavioral thing that comes up. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with as a reflection of your partner to speak up and say what they may not have the ability right now to acknowledge. And so, you know, you're playing your part, if you will, and in supporting a person. And it's like the person with the problem is the one that needs to speak up. So again, if your needs aren't getting met, then this is a good time to say something. Where we go wrong is by um, oftentimes using the opposite to I statements. It's the you and blaming, right? So (laughs) this is where we conflict has been difficult in the past because we learned to do it in a toxic way. But if we do it in the healthy way where we're just talking about from our perspective and how we're feeling and not trying to impose on the other person, how they're feeling or what they should do, you know, stop shooting on people is what I say. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, self-care isn't, isn't about, um, and self-love is not necessarily about going and getting a massage and having your nails done. That's pampering, right? When it comes to self-care, it is having these difficult conversations because it's getting that inner child, if you will, the shadow work within you is getting acknowledged. It's getting complete. And the more that is an integrated part of your daily conscious life, um, the less internal conflict you'll have. Mm -hmm. I like that. I just thought another one that people could probably relate to, but um, I always struggled going to the doctor, any doctor, like it was my own inner dialogue. And I realized that the struggle was from the place of feeling scolded, you know, like, oh, am I going to get scolded by, you know, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, or I should do this better. And it was like a childhood reaction, you know, like a being scolded by my parents, but I didn't realize it. But when I realized it, I was like, wait a minute, these people are my partners in my health journey. They're not there to scold me. And some of them are, but they aren't my favorite people. And it doesn't mean anything about me if, you know, if they say, well, you really should be doing this differently, but I actually am a good patient. Like I do things I'm supposed to do, but, but it's that, that struggle with, um, you know, even when I brought my cat to the vet, she's overweight, you know, and honestly, I'm trying, but I felt scolded by the vet and, and, you know, so again, it's that inner child shadow work, you know, here I'm this person who's got this global podcast and I coach people and I don't like being scolded by the vet or the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, doesn't it remind you of being a child when you were not in control of your own life, when you had to depend on this authority figure, parents usually, for your sustainability and for livelihood. And so it puts you right back into that place of trauma. Who wants to be there? And, And I have the same experience. I brought my 20 year old cat to the vet to be put down. He was in obvious despair. She looked at me and she said, has this cat ever been to the vet? What? I know. 
so anyways, I, I understand. And, and I just let it kind of roll off. I didn't plan on seeing her ever again. Right. I hired her to do a job and I said, yes, he has. Now, what can we, what's our next step? You know, and I move forward. So sometimes we have to be the bigger person, but it's, it's who likes to be triggered. I understand. <laughs> right, right, right. But I think like recognizing that the trigger actually has nothing to do with the other person. It's all about ourselves. And what does it mean about ourselves? Like, it doesn't have to mean we're, you know, like, I think we think the meaning is, oh, I've done something wrong, but it does mean that there's a reason why it's upsetting. And, um, and I think, you know, I mean, that there's a lot of stuff like that around food. I know you do a lot with nutrition with people and there are so many mixed messages around food and what's good and bad. And, and, uh, you know, one thing I love about you is you're probably one of the healthiest eating people I know, but I loved when I saw you eat a fried chicken sandwich. <laughs> it was like, I thought this girl has some fun too. You know? <laughs> yeah. On a bun. There, there was a day when I could not eat dairy, anything milk, uh, from a cow. I could not eat bread. I could not eat fry so the fried part anything fried um yeah the soy gosh the the list is kind of long i i it's been so long since my food sensitivities have become a memory that my memory is now blurry but i'm now able to eat and enjoy those things because i healed my gut that's just part of part of the program and part of taking care of myself Wow. I love that. That could be a whole, you know, I'm sure it could be a year long program and maybe it is with you, but, but uh, it could definitely be a whole nother podcast episode. So since you bring so much to the table and you have so much wisdom, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? And I know you have a freebie. So tell us about that too. Oh, I do. So <laughs> I have on my website, you can go to theelevateinstitute.com. I'm going to scold anybody who forgets the, the, cause you're going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. So the <laughs> elevate institute.com and right there, before you start to scroll, you're going to see a button that says reveal illness, hiding in plain sight. And this is my eyes on your selfie where I can use Chinese face reading to uncover anything having to do with inflammation of the heart, the kidneys, the spleen, the liver, and I can even see if you're living in your purpose. Wow. Your, your site might crash. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going there right now. How intriguing <laughs> is that? Well, I would say you found a great uh, promise there for people. So there you have it. Everyone go over and, and do that. And Eva, thank you so much. You're just so much fun. And I love how you're letting us keep the little blooper in the podcast, because that's just how real and centered and grounded you are. And I think people will enjoy that too, or have enjoyed that. So thank you so much. I've enjoyed being here. Thank you. I invite you to visit sherrykhoff.com for more free gifts and more episodes of the Sherry K. Hoff Show. And I want to wish you a good morning, good evening, good afternoon, no matter where you're listening in the world today. I love you. And I'll talk to you soon. This episode is sponsored by the Art of Abundance course. You can find this on the website at sherrykhoff.com. Happy manifesting.